Right, what's he chatting about today then? Right, I'm going to tell you. Today, I thought I would talk all about evocation, or at least make that a big part of my ramble today. Why, I hear you ask? Well, because of the whole Witch Wars 3 thing, innit? I mean, we didn't really have any winners. A lot of people got very close there. And I did just have an email for a brand new person who's just joined the Patreon, and they want to know a little bit about evocation. Now, this isn't going to be a course. This is going to be one of my ramblings. Will it make sense? Who knows? Will you be able to follow along? Who knows? I don't know. This is one of those one-cut things that's either going to work out quite well or it's going to be a complete and utter catastrophe. Now, evocation. Let's have a little think about this, Resum it up what it is. If I am pulling a spirit in and getting possessed by a spirit, that is possession, which I'd probably fall more into the invocation because it's inside you, it's coming into you. Invocation. If I am using my psychic ability to see things that aren't there, a lot of people will say that is a blurry line. Some will say that's evocation, some will say that's invocation. I am seeing a spirit in front of me, but not everyone can see it. So is that technically evocation? I would consider it not, but I'm willing to entertain the idea that if a spirit pops up and not everyone can see it, who has eyes that work, um, would not always consider that to be evocation or invocation. So basically, to sum that up, I believe... Evocation is the art of summoning a spirit in front of you and it having some sort of physical effect on this physical world. So it will have some sort of body. It will be there. A camera should be able to pick it up. Everyone else there should be able to pick it up. Now when a spirit's come close by, not quite in the physical world but close, psychics will probably be able to pick that up either psychic impressions or they might be able to see things blah 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 for the art of evocation really in its purest form we're going for a physical manifestation now evocation is extremely difficult it really does show a competent magical practitioner if you are able to do a successful evocation for lots and lots and lots of different spirits. Why is that? Well, spirits don't have physical bodies, okay? So we need to think that they're not a running around with a physical corporeal form. Some people will say that they are. Now, I will go as far as to say this may be the case in certain circumstances. If there is a demon running around in a human body because it's possessing a human, then yes, it has a physical body, I suppose. If you're talking about elemental type spirits, for example, animism, the spirit of the wind, well, that wind does have a physical form. Of course it does. So the spirit there does have a physical form. What we're really talking about is we're talking about sentient spirits such as Andromalius, which is the 72nd spirit of the Goetia, 
lesser key of Solomon, whatever you want to call it. Um, now that isn't something that's here, right? That is some kind of sentient spirit that's in some other realm somewhere. Maybe it's the astral world, maybe it's something outside of that, okay? So the key point that we need to think about is it is a sentient spirit that is not of this place and does not have a physical form in this place. In order to do an evocation correctly, or in order for it to be as what Liam defines as an evocation, you would need to give Andromalis a physical body, or Andromalis would need to build his own physical body, its own. I don't know whether Andromalis is a man, woman, or something in between, or something far outside of that. You should obviously find that out if you work with him, her, it, whatever. Now, there are some things that we need to consider with this, okay? Because spirits are different, okay? Take a human spirit. A human spirit, such as yourselves, you have a physical body. If that physical body goes a kaput and we slice your head off, and then a cremate you, you're not going to have a physical body anymore. Now, what happens? Well, that is the secrets to life after death, of course, and the afterlife and all that jazz. But not really my place to spill said secrets, if you don't already know, but let's assume that you know a little bit, okay? That spirit that is attached to or inhabiting that physical body. When the physical body is a disintegrated and no longer here, cremated, ash, scattered in the breeze by loving friends and family, then that thing that ties you here and that thing that helps you to experience this world is gone. So you, as a human spirit floating about somewhere, Obviously, the next closest realm essentially really is the astral world. Now, you already have an astral body. You had it when you were in your human body, and you've still got it now. So that consciousness technically should shift over to that astral body. Now, maybe you can get back to the physical realm in your astral form. But if you do that, you're not going to have an astral, you're not going to have a physical body. You're going to astrally project, which means that someone needs to be psychic in order to see that or see you or sense you. Okay, with us so far? Good. If you want to inhabit the physical world again, so kind of like going back from old black and white crappy televisions to now 4k or hd or whatever the fuck we're on now like very crisp then it's kind of like well experiencing things is very numb things are kind of dreamy-esque to a certain extent dreamy-esque but you're conscious from the most part um obviously we know that human spirits do you know, when the chain is broken or that when that tether is broken, that power station means that they do start to dissolve pretty quickly. Hence why you don't have a lot of very, very, very old dead people haunting places and they're milling about. And the dead people that you do meet, very often, unless you're directly energizing them or pushing energy into them or doing some sort of magical jiggery pokery they have a tendency to almost be kind of dementia-esque or dreamlike state because they are dissolving they haven't quite got 
the ability to stay in this realm. And when they are here, they haven't got a huge amount of ability <laughs> to be seen and interact with. Which is very amusing because when it comes to a lot of people going in and wanting the ghosts to move objects in rooms... Pretty difficult for a lot of ghosts to do. It uses up a lot of energy to be able to interact on that level. Hence why paranormal investigation for the most part is a crock of bollocks. Because they just want to antagonise spirits. Which probably don't do the spirits much good. Assuming the spirit even knows what the hell's going on. And is not just like my nan dribbling in a, ca in a chair because she's got dementia. Anyway, sidetrack. Human spirit. Human spirit goes to astral world, starts to disintegrate, or what they call crossing over, to cross over, to go beyond the astral world, to disintegrate and lose, you know, the ability to go there. Okay, we won't spill any super occult secrets on this episode with regards to that and where they go after. We'll ignore that. It's not important. Other spirits, there are many spirits, of course, that their main domain, their main area or habitat is the astral world. Now, if they're in the astral world and they are masters of the astral world or are able to do quite a lot of work powerfully in the astral world, manipulate it, blah, 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 because that is very close to this world, the physical world. They may be able to do a little bit of jiggery-pokery and manifest and change things here. When we do spell work, of course, we're changing things in the physical world and we're changing things in the astral world at the same time. When you light that candle, that's a physical thing, but obviously it's having some sort of effect on the astral world. The astral world is very big. Technically, it is infinite. Okay, so where are we talking about when we're talking about the astral world? We're talking about the bridging place between the physical world and the astral world what does that look like well it's just a copy of this world okay so if you astrally project into somewhere else that looks kind of like this then you're kind of on that bridging point between that world and this world i'm trying to think of a good example of that but i can't so we'll just move on um other places, other spirits. So let's go for another physical world. Because of course, multiple universes means multiple physical universes, physical worlds, blah, blah, blah. So we ain't talking about planets in a solar system far, far away. We're talking about an entirely different physical universe somewhere over there or over there or over there. You can't really see where I'm pointing, but just imagine I'm pointing in every direction. If you wanted to take that physical creature from that other physical universe and bring it to this universe, they experiment uh, with this sort of thing. I shouldn't say experiment. They kind of go into this sort of thing on sci-fi and that. If you're Doctor Who fans, then they have like the TARDIS thing. And it can go not just backwards and forwards in time, but it can go into different universes as well. Now, here's the thing that they don't talk about on Doctor Who and on sci-fi generally. Just because it is a physical universe does not mean the laws of said universe or structure of said universe is the same as ours, okay? So if you were to break open some sort of wormhole and go to that other physical universe, it does not mean that you will be there breathing, living 
it could mean that that universe is a lot more solid than this one. Which basically means that the whole thing is like a crystallized rock. You're probably not going to be able to manifest there. Now, with regards to evocation and pulling things from other universes, if the universe is exactly the same as ours, pretty easy. You just need to take the thing from that universe to this universe, outside of the scope of this discussion. If the universe is similar to ours, then it may mean that there's kind of a partial manifestation and such. So, how does that kind of look? What does that mean? Well, the Fae. The Fae, technically, do not dwell in this physical universe. They dwell in the Fae realm, which is mm, less physical, but it still has physical aspects to it. I'm not going to go spilling a load of secrets about the Fae because, well, apparently it's supposed to be a mystery in this day and age. I know, that's the state of the magical world for you. They think the Fae are still difficult to deal with. But anyway, say the Fae world has laws, like the laws of physics, and that the structure is different to ours. If something from that world comes into this world, well, the structure is similar enough that something can kind of manifest, something can kind of come through, but it's not the same Okay, so if we're thinking about a walkie-talkie or something like that, or old-fashioned radio, if there's interference with the signal, you don't get a crisp, clear voice. You get a load of gobbledygook and random kind of shit. So with regards to the level of interaction, the ability for said thing from another universe to come here, then it is trying to manifest here, but it can only work with the energies that it is essentially can run on. So on a quick side note, something that is really important for you to think about, because this is the trap that the vast majority of people are in when they're stuck here. If you do a lot of elemental magic and planetary magic and all this, that and the other magic and you like your zodiac signs and all that shit, remember, those are local energies, okay? They do not affect other universes. So you trying to go and battle another universe is essentially like writing a virus to run on Windows and you're sending it to your friend that has an Apple computer. It don't fucking do fuck all. Now, with regards to war warfare over different universes, a black magic and the like, I know there are many people out there that attempt to use the fact that, okay, another universe that is more mm, dense that's bigger and stronger and harder than this universe if i can get something or pull in energy from that to this is going to be able to blast through anything we currently have here now there's two problems with this one is that if you fuck that up then it's like smashing an egg against a boulder. 
the egg is our universe. If you try opening and pulling things through that don't belong here, that aren't designed to run on this system, but that are stronger than this system, then this system breaks. Don't worry. The vast majority of people can't do that. There are things, of course, that make sure that that sort of thing doesn't tend to happen. Although we do tend to find the odd magical practitioner that does cause a lot of trouble by getting very, very close universes that are similar to ours and then they're just a bit more dense, a bit more solid and then pulling energies in through in order to combat energies that are innately here. For example, you have a high-level magician or Wiccan or witch or New Ager or whatever the fuck it is. They've mastered the ability to control this universe, say. Well, how do you combat those people? Well, you could, uh, you know, go for levels above the universe. So this, this is a corporeal thing. It has a spirit, a soul. You can go and target part of the soul that isn't in this universe okay that's one way of doing it but a lot of people tend to think ah it mastered this universe but i bet it don't know anything about another universe and i bet i can send some nasties from that other universe to come over here and I do battle in this physical world and it will be throwing up all of these shields and calling in all of these goddesses and gods and they've got no fucking power similarly if you want to take a spirit or something that's very local and similar and close to this universe that runs on something similarly and then go and drop it somewhere far, far away in another universe that runs on something completely different is essentially stuck there. I think we've gone off on too much of a tangent, haven't we? I've got to remember that this isn't the advanced bit. Um, so let's take things back. So summary. Evocation... Summoning something into physical manifestation in front of you. Right, so, if you're going to do that, you've got to know what the fuck it is. You've got to know what the where the fuck it comes from. And then you need to really work out, is this thing, because it's an important thing that also people don't tend to touch on, does this thing want to be evoked? Does it want to come here? Or am I forcing it and dragging it here? If it wants to come here, essentially it will do everything it can or at the best of its ability to manifest here. What you would need to do as the witch magician, the person doing the evocation, is to make up for what that spirit lacks. Now... If that spirit is a fish, you've probably heard this one before, but I'm going to say it again. If the spirit's a fish and the fish wants to go to the Cabot Circus in Bristol shopping, that fish ain't going to cope well without water. So what you need to do is you need to create a little ecosystem for it, like a bowl with the nice fresh water, if it's a freshwater fish, and salt water, if it's a saltwater fish, and heat the bowl to the correct temperature or oh, it's very fucking complicated this evocation like isn't it um so that you can then carry that bowl with the little fishy in it around cabot circus and you can go shopping i need a new pair of jeans i might take little fishy shopping for some new jeans and by jeans i mean the jeans that you wear on your legs not genetics okay so 
we're making up for what the spirit is lacking, its lack of ability. Now, let's be fair, that's fucking complicated. Another thing people don't talk about. Because you, A, have to understand what the spirit is. To understand where it comes from. To be able to calculate, well, this spirit comes from this place. This place is X different in this way, that way, and the other way. Therefore, I need to compensate for this when I'm doing my evocation. Okay? The idea of sticking a fish in a bowl of water in order to get it from the sea, which it lives, to dry land, which it don't live, is a comp- is, is, is simple. But then when you factor in, well, what the fuck is the type of fish? Is it a Picasso triggerfish, which happens to be one of my favourites? Well, in that case, that's a saltwater fish, and it needs to be kept at a specific temperature. So it's not just a case of putting a bowl of water and then evoking the fish to come into the bowl of water. Bowl of water would be the area in which you have created the habitat, the ecosystem, the magic circle, whatever the fuck it is, the area that you have filled with the energy relevant to manifest. I know I've covered that before on other podcasts and such, but I don't know if I've covered it on this one. Basic concept. Make this world, or the place you want the spirit to manifest in this world, as close to its habitat as possible. It's really as simple as that. Except it's not really that simple, is it? Because if you're filling a room with a bowl of water that is salty and at a temperature, how are you going to fare standing in that room? Oh, didn't think about that, did you? I hope you can hold your breath. Right, well, here we have the concept of scuba scuba diving gear or the concept of the bang truth. Now, when I tend to work, if I was to do an evocation, I would create a boundary in the area... It's not going to be a physical boundary, so you don't have to make it the size of the room if I was going and doing it down at the woods, as I often do. Um, sorry, I just went off on a really dirty tangent then. If I was going to do an evocation in the woods, <laughs> then you're talking about maybe creating a boundary of this opening or this clearing or whatever. You might want to draw a circle or something like that because I know you lot love your circles don't you magic people these days um that boundary and then what we're going to do is we're going to stand in that circle and we're going to fill that circle with the appropriate energy and then tear open a portal to where that spirit's going to come from okay you're going to be in your scuba diving suit no this isn't a physical scuba diving suit What this is, is really what I'd call the spiritual or magical armour. Now, with regards to magical protection, that I really need to do an entire podcast or occult ramblings or something on magical protection with regards to armour, because it is, again, a complicated subject. But keep it simple. So, armour is skin tight. It allows you to move in whatever direction you want, but it reinforces you. What can armor be? Well, it could be that medieval armor, or it could just be breathing apparatus and a wetsuit. Essentially, you, the magician, which whatever, are creating a boundary, 
filling that boundary or that area with the appropriate energy that means that that habitat that you're connecting to to allow a little fishy to swim in is going to flood into that boundary and fill it up. You're going to be stood there, so you need to make sure that you're using the appropriate magical protections. There's multiple ways of doing it. I'm a very hands-on person. I like to be in on the action. I like to be in there with the spirit, right? Imagine the spirit. Imagine the boundary is the ring of a fight club, boxing, boxing ring, yeah? I like to be in there. I am one of these ceremonial magicians that like to stand in a safety net safety circle and uh, evoke it into some shitty little triangle over the other side of the room limitations to that now am I making fun of magicians for doing that partly do I understand the deeper implications of what that symbology is with regards to all of those magical triangles the triangle of manifestation and the aura displayed in the form of a circle yes i do understand that is that system something that can work yes that system can work have i tried it and done it yes i have tried and done it have i used the way that they do it in the solomonic lesser key of solomon abrahamic religion type nah not my cup of tea but again so i don't go off on a tangent we need to keep this straight to evocation liam keep it at the evocation right okay so why is evocation so fucking difficult? Well, it's simple. You need to be able to understand what spirit you're dealing with so that you know what environment it needs in order to exist here, don't you? Which means that not only do you need to understand the inner workings of this universe that we're in, you need to understand the inner fucking workings of the universe that it's fucking coming from. And most people, magical practitioners, don't even seem to know this one, let alone any local ones, let alone any ones really, really far away. That is why evocation is so fucking difficult. I mean, let's be fair, it's just easier to do an invocation and pull them into the astral world, isn't it? Now, we had a certain someone that is on the Thoth Points leaderboard. That is the Archivist, who we gave a technical 110 points. They were awarded 100 points for the Witchcraft Wars free, gave them an extra 10 point because they went after Mary and Christian. If you notice on the leaderboard, it's got a little asterisk star next to it because technically Mary and Christian ain't dead yet, or at least the website's not been taken down. If the website don't get taken down and Mary and Christian don't get attacked by Andromalius, then that 10 points will be scrubbed but they will remain with the 100 points. Some people were asking questions why one person has got an asterisk. No, it's not a spelling mistake. So, I can't even remember what I was talking about now. That's the problem with rambling, isn't it? Um, and I can just hear you talking to me. I can't hear you because you're in the future and I'm in the past. That's it, the archivist. So, the archivist is doing some work at a mercurial magic school. We won't go into that, just fucking go with it. Magic school in the kind of adjacent world to the astral. To a certain extent, partly in the astral, partly in another world. Anyway, like I said, just go with it. Her idea concept was, okay, might be a struggle to manifest Andromalius in this physical world. 
but I can manifest him there in magic school because of course the laws are more allowant of that sort of thing. It's a lot easier to pull Andromalius into the astral world. And then when I've got him there, I can, because I know how to go from the astral world to the physical world. So what I'll do is I'll fucking grab him and drag him with me back to manifest in the physical world. So when I wake up in my body in the physical world, Andromalius should be there. Can you see what went wrong there? No? Okay. So I know some people will have seen what went wrong, but I'm going to have to clarify it anyway. So think of going into cartoon land and seeing the Simpsons. They're in that two-dimensional land. And then grabbing hold of a Simpson and then pulling it into the three-dimensional world. Some people would think that that Simpson's just going to manifest as a three-dimensional human. No, it's probably going to manifest as a picture of a Simpson on a piece of paper if it manifests at all. More than likely, it's going to get stuck somewhere within the manifestation and it would just go to shit. Of course, this would depend on the spirit, wouldn't it? Because if it is something that part of that spirit utilises and is part of the same current that exists here or same currents or magical elemental periodic table, then technically it might have a partial manifestation. So if we have a magical periodic table of energies that exist and form the basis of this universe, and you have a spirit from another universe that also runs on those energies, or a lot of them, then that's transferable, isn't it? So that can go from there and manifest here because it's running on the same programming, for want of a better word. I'm trying to dumb this down. I don't know if I'm doing a good job or not, but let's just assume I am. Trying to run on the programming. Now, if it does run on the programming, then it will be easy to manifest. And some spirits are extremely easy to manifest, particularly, funnily enough, the sorts of spirits that built this universe in the first place or had a hand in building this universe in the first place. Funny that, isn't it? The building blocks of this universe manifest quite easily within the universe. Which is normally why we start most people on doing that. But I know that... Well, that's far too easy for some of you. Taking uh, something that contains some building blocks that go here... And trying to pull that spirit here means that you'll get a partial manifestation because it will only be able to draw from or create a body out of the things it understands. Okay? There enter you. You need to give it a house, a body. Okay? Physical body. So, again, have a little think about spirits that you're confident in spirits that you have a working relationship with okay because andromalius is one of the goetic spirits and the goetic spirits are a little bit more complicated than what a lot of people think they are there which is one of the reasons why we set the homework because we knew that it might be quite difficult to do what all of the apparent great magicians of the past 
seemed to do on a daily basis and you know basis and evoke a demon spirit thing we knew they'd be a little bit more complicated than that if we asked you to go after something else probably would have been easy because guess what some of the other spirits that are already kind of within or close to this universe and that are powerful can affect this universe they don't need you to manifest they can manifest if they want to but if you want to be truly adept at evocation you should be able to summon and pull in pretty much anything okay i say pretty much anything because technically there are some things that you could pull in that would break the universe best not do those don't worry they're out of your reach for now I don't know how I did with regards to explaining evocation but I think I gave the rough gist of it so have a little think about the spirits you work with have a little think about the environments they come from and have a little think about what methods you would use for an evocation i know one person was having six well actually there was a couple of people that were doing this and um i think most of them had success with this the concept of a elemental spirit fire for example spirit the spirit of fire the element of fire what sort of body would a fire elemental have in this physical world obviously fire so if you create a fire and then get that elemental to possess that fire it is possessing it and i know some people have had some fun interactions with fire elementals pulling them into fires they've lit and watching the fire completely change become brighter become bigger become smaller all of these things really strange stuff going on same can be said for water as well pulling in an element of water or a water elemental into a swimming pool or pond or whatever it is something that you're swimming in and pulling it in and then feel it interact with you quite a weird experience because of, of course it can actually touch you you're in the water it can live in the water does it manifest and possess all of the water very often not very often it's waves a current even if the water is still you'll be able to feel it touching you interesting wind air element obvious you'd let it manifest in the form of the wind these are quite simple okay what about more complicated things so gods goddesses mythological beings and creatures that are concepts some of them like the fae visit here and come here don't really live here but might have a holiday home here so <laughs> um and humans have been aware of them so they make up stories and shit other things spirits grew up in this universe okay so going back to the whole animism thing if you have a spirit that grew up and evolved in slash out of this universe it may not be evolved enough 
for you to interact with it and give it a body that jumps up and down with arms and legs and the like. Spirits of the land, how might you give a spirit of land a body? Well, guess what? It's already fucking got a body. It's a spirit of the land. The land is its body. But how can you give that spirit more of an ability, more limbs, okay? How can you give that spirit more limbs? Also, the intelligence. Some people happen across what sometimes get referred to as stains upon the land. Really powerful, sentient spirits that are really difficult to identify as to what the fuck they are. Some people try to trace them back and looking from the psychic perspective and looking back in time and the like and find, well, actually, they go right, 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 right back. But what the fuck is it? Well, hell, that's a mystery I'm probably not going to give you because I think I've given probably too much away already. But we'll talk about stain blots on the land that are super powerful, not just like the local fucking spirit of the trees or some shit like that. The sort of thing that picks you up and uh, hurls you out of its vicinity we'll go into that on a different podcast remind me um but again in regards to evocation so that's the thing that you need to think about the methodology now ultimately the one thing that i wanted to make sure is that you understand that evocation although it gets talked about a lot is fucking complicated and that people that were doing the which was free got on so incredibly well we are so impressed by you guys uh particularly all of the beginners because you really gave it a go and i think that if i'd have told you all of this at the beginning you probably would have thought this is way out of my depth and yet some of you i think have been surprised by how far you actually got not knowing how difficult this witch was actually was gonna be now, the next Witch Wars we do will be easier. They won't get more and more and more difficult. What we will be doing is mixing them up. So some will be easy, some will be difficult, some will be judged on effort, some will be judged on results, some there will be only one winner, some whoever, you know, essentially meets the criteria um, or passes the finish line. I suppose you could think of it like that will win um so yeah so keep uh keep keep an eye out for which wars for because it will be easier um but with regards to the evocation of course you can speak to me and pri- uh, me and chris privately about it during your consultation times um hopefully i've given you a little bit of insight but the main reason why I can't give you a specific ritual a, is because you should obviously be thinking about what you know with regards to magic and building your own. But also, it's going to vary according to what thing you're evoking. So, doing an evocation ritual that's designed to pull in a goetic spirit is going to be different than pulling in another type of spirit. Okay? Good. 
Right, I think we will call it a day then. And as ever, hopefully you enjoyed my mad ramblings. I wonder if these ramblings are getting more and more mad. I'm not entirely sure if I'm honest with you, but I certainly sound mad. Feel like I'm sounding mad. Over and out.